Welcome to the Half Court Press Basketball Podcast with the Omaha World Herald's Joel Lorenzi. I say that right? Yeah. Okay, close enough. And I'm Dirk Chatwin. Uh, I'm the co-host this week. Whether I will be the permanent co-host depends on how this goes, probably. So if you're rooting against me, you might be rooting against this entire episode. <laughs> uh, I've uh, Joel and I are going to go over Creighton and Nebraska. A very, very interesting upcoming seven days. I don't know if we'll record next week with the holidays, so we might have to cover some ground this week, including pre-Hawaii and pre-Orlando. But first things first, uh, the Huskers and Jays play this evening back-to-back, I believe, right? Uh, One has a bye game, the uh, UC Riverside What's the uh, what's the mascot, Joel? I couldn't tell you. Okay, well we'll get to the bottom I, I usually, of that. I usually say that for these bargains, I say that for Ken Palm at night before <laughs> okay. the game. So. And uh, and the Huskers are playing St. John's on the road tonight in a game that uh, they didn't know they were going to have. Uh, this was sort of a surprise, according to Fred Hoiberg, for the schedule this this season, uh, which is is partly a reason why they have probably one too many major conference games in the non-con. Uh, the Huskers, uh, after a pretty soft start play a grueling stretch here over the next few weeks and we're going to learn a lot about this team uh starting tonight so joel let's start with the jays uh what's new on the beat and uh i have a i've got something special for the end of the pod today uh to help our listeners and me get to know you a little bit better okay. i worked up a little 10 question quiz interesting okay uh, but hey before we get to the jays let me say this college basketball needs to get its act together okay the season started across the country last week, last Monday night. There was not a game to speak of between two good programs until Friday on an aircraft carrier. Why can't the why can't everybody start with something a little bit more organized, a little bit more of a splash uh, to actually, you know, command some attention? Because the everybody loading up as if it's the NFL exhibition schedule was uh was just dull joel and, and creighton and nebraska were, were guilty of it too yeah it's interesting you know i think uh these coaches like it takes some gutsy coaches right like, it took it took guts from cal to be like okay let's do a series mark few like you you won't see that often it's only the the real programs that got something to brag about they're gonna step out like that but why it doesn't matter but these see, schools play 35 games in a season like nobody's going no, to, nobody's going to remember yeah. at the end of the year if gonzaga beat texas or if texas beat gonzaga like, sure. and i'm kind of on the same boat right like i see these bye games like people people just don't want to lose their first few games right but it's crazy because if you look over the the last week like people have been dropping bye games like i mean it happens every year right but it feels like i don't know if it's um, I'm just paying more attention this year, but it feels like people have really been dropping these ball games. So it really doesn't make a difference, right? Like you, if you're gonna lose to somebody, like make it like a, a Michigan State, right? Like so. When you're when, and I realize when you have 350 Division One teams, uh, it's it's hard to get everybody on the same page and get organized. But it sure would be nice if college basketball would at least try to have some sort of kickoff event similar to what they did in Indianapolis on Tuesday night. Only do it the first week of the season. Do it the first night of the season. Like, try to get some interest. Um, You know, I'm not saying you got to play the toughest game in your non-con on the opening night of the season, but, geez, it would sure be nice. If college football programs, when they only have three non-con games, if if LSU can play Florida State in the opener, uh, if, if Alabama can play a big game, if... 
you know, Nebraska can go to Ireland. Like college basketball coaches should be able to step out on a limb and take a bit of a chance. Yeah, no, I I agree. I I don't think it's a phenomenon that's going to end anytime soon. But I think we should be grateful for the the aircraft carriers of the world because I, <laughs> I I thought that was fun and um, just. I mean, it's just a thing. You know that the games aren't going to come till week two or, or week three, really. I mean, we had to sit through Holy Cross, which is a team I only knew of because I had somebody to play for them. Otherwise, they would be hidden in the random abyss of that deep bottom of Ken Palm. So, <laughs> What did you think of the Jays uh, over the past seven days, uh, highlighted by the Holy Cross performance? Yeah, um, I think they're, they're shaking off any maybe temporary doubts that might have surfaced in that that opener right um obviously eight for 34 from deep in that opener was not encouraging um and it was different than what they showed in that exhibition against jury obviously a d2 but um it, it wasn't encouraging what we saw in the season opener and, and based on what the staff would tell you over the summer and what they've been raving about um it just um you could tell that wasn't the team they expected to come out there to open night and it, it wasn't the team they knew um even if this isn't the finished product it they knew that wasn't the product they had. So um, I thought over the last two games they've they've looked more like uh, what they should be right now um, in terms of the shooting touch, the the IQ. Kalkbrenner's been outstanding. I mean, he looks exactly how he should against 6'7 and 6'8 bigs. Um, but 19 of his last 19 from the field is just, I mean, what can you say, right? Like that's, it feels like that's a different level of dominance. And it just goes to show you the glimpses of, a life for Ryan Kalkbrenner as he's surrounded by guys who can all create their own shot and draw attention. Yeah, you make a great point about I thought he was the story of the last week for Creighton, obviously. And, um, I mean, Joel, it's it's distinctly possible that he's one of the top five big men in the country, right? Yeah, no doubt. And I, th- I thought that was a possibility off the defensive end alone, right? But now it feels like, and I don't know if this will carry on as they get to play better bigs and actual seven footers and whatnot but um it feels like this season could maybe be the step in the right direction for his draft stock and um in the sense that maybe now he unlocks a new level at the offensive end like he's not just uh you know arguably the best defensive anchor in the country like now he's a legitimate two-way top three threat at that position um possibly so uh i think that's just something to watch because he i mean we talked about it all summer these dudes admitted like I remember Arthur Kaluma telling me in New York, like, um, when we need a bucket. And I, it felt like there was a little bit of, like, uh, he was kind of joking. But he was like, when we need a bucket, like, we going to hit this dude. Like, it, it felt kind of playful. But, like, it's literally how teams are playing him. And so it feels like he's guaranteed, like, at least 12 to 14 points a game at minimum at this point. Do they need – to me, the big question is not about Creighton's talent. Uh, it's certainly not about their coaching. Uh, it's just about sort of role acceptance and the pecking order, I guess. Like, does there need to be a an understanding among those top five guys about, hey, you're the guy, you're the next guy, you're the next guy, or or can they really just make it blend like a like a medley or a rock and roll band that just kind of plays together? Um, because I could see certain nights where where Trey has 25 and I could see certain nights where Trey has 6. You know? And like is that is that healthy? Is that I don't think that would work in the NBA. Does it work in college? And does Creighton need to have does Creighton need to figure out 
sort of the priority order or the hierarchy over the next few weeks? It's interesting because if you ask them, uh, they'll tell you that, you know, that kind of thing, the the output distribution is, uh, it is a nightly thing. And they are up in arms about it like that. Well, not up in arms. They just, they throw it up. They don't care, right? Um, and so when you look at it, though, like, as I'm seeing these first two games unfold, like I said, I don't know if what we're seeing now pretends um, anything about Kalkbrenner's season and what he'll do against real bigs. But you got to think that at some point if he keeps playing like this and teams keep playing him like this and allowing him what he's doing, at least to an extent, um, you got to think like that's got to be your first option, right? Like that suddenly becomes your first option. I went into the season under the impression that Baylor and and Trey Alexander could be their, their leading scorers just off the fact that Baylor's shot versatility – um, off dribble, off catch, like he could just put the ball in the basket. But um, maybe I underestimated just how much value they have out of him as a playmaker. Like I knew he was a good playmaker, but like he's really, I mean, he looks to make that play every time he catches the ball. And then Trey Alexander, like you're right, like there is some inconsistency there. I don't think it's on him. I think it's just on the way the ball is being distributed. I mean, there's no telling who will be the leading scorer each night. And so back to your point, I think uh, – I think it's something they're okay with not knowing going into each game, but you got to think like at a certain point, if Kalkbrenner does continue at this rate, like they got to know that's the the guy, the go-to. Yeah, if nothing else, it's a heck of a security <coughs> blanket where you know that you know he's he he's gonna get you twelve points in lobs and offensive rebounds. Yeah, um, I think Baylor would prefer to be sort of the distributor for the first thirty-five minutes, and then you know, give me all the clutch shots down the yeah. stretch, you know. Uh, and I don't know how that plays with the other guys, but to me he seems like a guy who who would rather rather take a back seat early and sort of be the clutch guy late. Yeah, and you, and you saw that, I think, in uh, – I think it was that St. Thomas game where they um, obviously were on their toes. I mean, granted, they were dealing with Cogbrenner being sick, and there's so many factors. I mean, they, they didn't shoot the ball well at all. But you saw in the last stretch they were like, Baylor had that game changer sequence, those those two back to back threes, and really took over that game. And I think that's something um, we've kind of brought up with with Mac about you know should we expect him to be the guy at the end of those games because it does feel like he's more more comfortable with that kind of thing, right? Like, um, and so then it brings back to like the first thirty five minutes, like you said. Like, um, I think it only becomes a problem maybe for us uh, in terms of who's who's getting the ball between Kalkbrenner. Kaluma and Trey because I think you you we seen like you said Baylor's okay with taking the backseat early and Ryan I mean Ryan Nemhar doesn't even need the ball or he doesn't need to score for it. I mean you saw last game 12 assists zero turnovers like he doesn't need to score the ball to affect the game at all so yeah um looking ahead to Maui has anything jumped out to you about Creighton's potential competition in Maui these first two weeks of the season yeah um Texas Tech, man, I, uh, I'm i not going to say I'm overly impressed with them, but I think Creighton's due for a good challenge, man. They, they're due to get punched in the mouth, especially by a team like that of, of Texas Tech's brand, um, physical, um, really gritty defense. Um, I think that's it's a great early test for Creighton. I just can't tell you what their outcome will be. And then um, if they do manage to get by Texas Tech, you're looking at Arkansas and Dirk, Holy shit. I I was watching this clip yesterday of Arkansas. I catch Arkansas from time to time because I like the dudes they recruit. And uh, they happen to have a guy in Trevin Brazil who was a freshman at Mizzou when I was last on the beat. 
And I was telling, this dude wasn't even ranked in the top 300. And the first time I watched him, I'm telling people, yo, he's a pro. And I don't know if you saw that clip yesterday. Yeah, yeah. He had the dunk of the year in college basketball that probably won't even get dethroned the entire year. It might not get dethroned <laughs> next year. He threw the ball down through the basket. Down. Like, his arm was so high up. <laughs> and he was literally on dude's back. I mean, that, that was incredible. So, uh, man, once Creighton gets, if they get past Texas Tech, um, they're looking at a scary Arkansas team that I think, um, you know, you know they, uh, I think they got 30-piece by Texas in the preseason. And um, I try not to read too much at the preseason, but a 30-piece is very telling in the preseason. Like, a 30-piece is a 30-piece. So um, I think there are some things you could take away there. But if that was the same Texas team that we watched last night, right, like Texas maybe played its best game ever last night, and they look really good. So it feels like those are similar versions of Texas. So I don't want to count Arkansas out. And, frankly, Arkansas was one of my teams to watch coming into the season. I mean, obviously they got so much turnover, and they're banking on a lot of young guys for their production. But the young guys they have, I mean, they could really give – creating problems looking at Nick Smith one of the best guards in the country already as a freshman uh Anthony Black a really big distributor and athlete uh Trevin Brazil I think he comes off the bench like they they got a team man yeah. um so uh I think that's obviously who you have to watch creating for I think in terms of a matchup problem that's probably their greatest matchup problem and then they could I think on day three they could probably play like Arizona or something I, mean, I gotta look at the bracket again so but. it I don't I've been watching the Maui Invitational since I was probably 10 years old. Uh, I can't remember many years where it was this wide open. You know, it's just like, I mean, you could theoretically see five or six teams winning the Maui Invitational. Like, it's crazy. It's super fun. No, I agree. And um, you're right. Like, I'm I'm not that old, so I haven't been watching (laughs) Maui that long. But I, I know there's usually like a Duke or a Kansas in there, and then every other team is like a tier two team right and and the dukes of the world are like a tier one team so um i completely agree and i think it, it makes it fun right like even i think san diego state can make some noise in, in this tournament um it's just it's so unpredictable and i've i fear like I, I think it would have to be a utopia for creating a walk out 3-0 um because it's just every team it feels like can punch them in the mouth man yeah. Well, and on that little small court in that little small gym, like physicality matters. Like Creighton's gonna get, they're gonna get punched. You know, like it's about eighty-four degrees in that gym, and uh, it's a physical test playing playing all that basketball in a short amount of time. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, this is gonna be my transition to Nebraska. Speaking of my old days, okay. <laughs> uh, in in nineteen ninety-two, I think uh, December of nineteen ninety-two. Nebraska was an actual good basketball program, Joel. Mm. Uh, the days, and, huh? And they were playing in Hawaii, not in the Maui Classic, but in the uh, in the Rainbow Classic. And it was a uh, it was a I think it was an eight team tournament, but their opponent in the uh, I believe in the opener was the Fab Five coming off a national championship loss to Duke. Mm. So Weber, Howard, Rose, King, Jackson. And uh, Nebraska hung with them for about 30 minutes, and uh, and then Michigan rolled the last 10. But Nebraska had some pros on that team, and Michigan obviously had lots of pros. Uh, and I remember watching it or listening to it uh, late late at night on Husker Radio um, and, and just thinking to myself, wow, Nebraska's actually playing the Fab Five here in, in Hawaii. So um, 
a different kind of con- challenge for uh, for the Huskers over the next couple of weeks. Uh, again, St. John's here in about a few hours. Uh, we won't talk too much about that just because people might listen to this after the fact. Uh, but, Joel, looking at the Huskers going forward at St. John's and then Pine Bluff on Sunday, and then they go to Orlando where they get Oklahoma and then Memphis for Seton Hall yeah. and then a third game, and then they come home and they play Boston College at Creighton, at Indiana, Purdue, Kansas State, like <laughs> – Holy crap, Joel. Is this program ready for this? No. No. <laughs> um and I'm not uh I'm I'm not an open Nebraska hater. I just um like I just frown upon certain programs. And this happens in the NBA too. Like I never grew up a Bulls fan because I remember watching the teams before Derrick Rose, I mean, the, they just they had only such a high ceiling. And Nebraska really only has such a high ceiling under Fred Hoiberg, in my opinion. Um just with the talent they have, um, with Fred, and um, it, I feel like they've done better than I thought they would. I mean, they haven't had big wins in these first two games, right? But um, I think on both sides of the ball, they probably look cleaner than I imagined. I thought it was going to be a shit show, if I'm being honest. But um, <laughs> but yeah, they're in terms. I mean, St. John's is the top forty program to me um, right now. Uh, Indiana, Purdue, like these are. Scary games, dog. Creighton, obviously, I can't go without mentioning Creighton. So, um, no, they're not ready for this at all. And frankly, um, I thought they would have scheduled. I mean, obviously, they're they're in the Big Ten, so they can't avoid that. But like, Kansas State is not bad. Uh, Oklahoma is not bad. Like, I thought they would have scheduled kind of differently if this was supposed to be the year that like uh, Fred Hoiberg was like gonna try to save his job. Or yeah, something. it feels like a year where you would schedule super soft and try to run up. You know six straight wins of the non-con and then hopefully build some confidence. Um, they're going to have to do it a different way. And I, I, I would only uh, protest one thing that you said. There's no way St. John's is a top 40 program. Really? Come At on. least the top 45. I mean, all those Big East teams. No. I think, I think the top half of those Big East teams, they're, they're all scattered. They're not top half. They're not top half. Are you serious? St. John's? They're like six or Six or seven. Oh come on! That's, that counts as That's top half. That's not top half, by the way. Okay, well six is like close enough to. Top I think half. I think they're closer to eight or nine. Oh hell no! No way. But but to your point, uh, Nebraska is going to run into uh, a serious challenge tonight, and uh, you know I think I think Nebraska is going to have to. We talked about this in the in the Pick Six podcast just briefly, but Nebraska is going to have to get off to a good start. They're going to have to to you know not only for their own confidence, but I think they have to show St. John's that they're there. And uh, and I think the same goes for the you know the next three weeks. I mean the Huskers have to uh, they can't cower from the challenge. It's going to take some serious fortitude. Uh, Greasel's going to have to play really well. They're going to have to get some some contributions from you know Tominaga and some shooting from Wilcher that that you know is hard to count on every single night, but. Um, this is just uh, kind of the, the early buzzsaw for the Huskers that I think if they if they can come out of this stretch, you know, 500, um, I think that's encouraging. If they come out and they're after, you know, December 20th and they're they're four and eight or something like that, sure. you know, I think the writing's sort of on the wall for the rest of the season. So uh, just a really really tough stretch for the Huskers in a year which in which they could really use some confidence lift. Yeah, no doubt. Joel, uh, I wanna I wanna get your take uh, before I ask you the ten the ten question quiz. <laughs> okay. I do want to get your take on the the Texas Gonzaga game last night. Um, oh man, 
I don't know if I'm ready for a Texas program that actually has its stuff together. Like this doesn't happen. In- sure. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I call glimpses of it. I was kind of playing 2K and then looking off to the side when, <laughs> when, when things happen. Um, but but from what I watched, I mean, obviously it was probably Texas's. It could be a top two performance for them all year. I mean, the shots were going. Uh, Tyrese Hunter looked incredible. I mean, I, I was always high on him. I thought whoever landed him in the portal was was going to have a, a absolute steal. But he, I mean, he absolutely shredded Gonzaga. I mean, they, they were so disruptive at the top of um, Gonzaga's offense, uh, trying to deny Timmy. I mean, they did they did the exact opposite of what they did last year. I mean, they let Timmy go off for of 40, I think, last year, and he, that was that was the game. So um, they were just so disruptive, and they got the athletes. They got the IQ guys. I really like uh, Serge Jabari Rice uh, as an IQ guy. Um, they got the guard play. Even um, Dylan DeSue, like, they don't run a true big, but Dylan DeSue hit some big-ass shots yesterday. Like, they, that's a team I'm, – I'm, frankly, I'm worried about Creighton getting into that building. I don't care if – Texas doesn't shoot that well, right? Like, I'm worried about if, – if Texas shoots 60% as well as they did yesterday, like, that's still probably like a five-point win over Creighton or like a five- to ten-point win over Creighton. So, they, I think they beat – I mean, you beat Gonzaga. You probably beat almost anybody in that building. So, um, I don't think – and the atmosphere, like, I think we were talking about this before the pod a little bit. Like, the atmosphere was incredible. Like, I was kind of confused about why their capacity was only, like, around 10K – but that building was electric, man. Yeah. And I, I was getting in my mentions yesterday. Um, people were trying to add Marcus Blossom in my mentions. Uh, but they were like, uh, I guess the setup was like they had like fans like in the view of the camera. Like the fan section was like, I don't know if it was behind the scores table. I wasn't paying attention. But it was in view. They weren't behind the basket was the, was the point. And it just made for a better experience, a better viewership. And, man, that building is electric, dog. Like, I, can't, I can't wait to watch a game there. But, um I can't say Creighton should be trying to rush to to play there. Is all so, yeah, Joel, it's so interesting. I mean, Texas has been a sleeping giant in basketball for decades, right? And they've always underachieved. And and this building is was part of the problem because they would play in this big cavernous arena that you know would be half full. And even when even when Kevin Durant was there, it'd be half full. You know. <laughs> Uh, and so if, if Texas can create atmosphere, that's a little bit of a game changer for that program because, um, they just haven't had much home court advantage over the years. Yeah. And I'm watching that game and like, you could just see the difference from last year's team. Like people, everybody was high on last year's team. Right. And they flowed out. And I think people might've jumped the gun on Chris Beard. Like, I think that's just maybe part of the Texas brand. People want to jump the gun on the Texas brand, but Chris Beard, did people forget what Chris Beard did to Texas Tech, man? I mean, come on, dog. Yeah. Like, I don't know. Yeah. I, I like Chris Beard for Texas, and their, their group right now is incredible. I mean, they got they got. I kind of wrote about this. Uh, I think a couple weeks ago when somebody asked me about Texas, um, they got the perfect blend of IQ vets, a perfect group of talented freshmen in Arterio Morris, uh, Dylan uh, Mitchell, um, and then. You got the returners that you would want and like Brock Cunningham and Timmy Allen and Christian Bishop and all those dudes. I mean, they, they got such a – it feels like their group hits on all facets. Creighton doesn't have as many Power 5 opponents, major conference opponents, as I wish they had in non-con. Sure. But the ones that they will play, I mean, we're, locked, we're looking yeah. at potentially top 20 – you know, three or four top 20 teams here. Uh, and that's – 
that's new for the Jays. I mean, they're like I said, not as the quantity is maybe not what I want it to be, uh, but the quality is going to be super high. Yeah, and the only opponent, I mean, they can snooze on in Maui is Louisville. Because I mean, holy shit, Louisville's look <laughs> terrible, right? I mean, they're they're unbelievably bad. Like I feel for my old editor at the Missouri. He covers them, and I I feel for him, man, because that's just a really tough. I mean, I, I think they've lost like every buy game so far right they're they're so bad they're basically writing checks for people to kick them in the nuts every week and and the way they lose games is like unbelievable like they lose these games by like one possession like it's 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 a really sick sad story but um but i mean you look at the rest of the field cincinnati's decent uh ohio state's really good arizona's like a top 10 team uh depending on who you ask so there's no shortage of of strength in that tournament so i think uh what they lack uh, stretched across these months in, in Power Five, they they're gonna get those those jabs in this tournament. Yep. Okay, I want to finish the uh, the episode with with a little ten question quiz for Joel. Oh jeez. I have not given him any preview of this, uh, and it'll be it'll be slightly random, but it will give our listeners and uh, and Creighton fans especially uh, a little bit better sense of who Joel is. Okay. Ready. Sure. I don't I, I don't really like quizzes, but let's do it. <laughs> uh let's start with an easy one. Okay. The college basketball venue that you most want to visit. Oh, based on like who Creighton actually plays this nope, year or like, nope, just fantasy. Just Creighton aside. Man, I wanted to go to Allen Fieldhouse uh when I last covered Mizzou, right? Like I think the so the year I last covered Mizzou. I say this like it was ten years ago. This is like last year calendar <laughs> time. But uh, I've been to so many stops since then. Like it's it's hard to keep track. But um, that was the first year that they renewed their yeah. rivalry games, and I did not get to go because I was like an intern, and so they sent uh, my boss went and uh, the beat writer went. So I was so shitty because even like the <laughs> the, the student paper I had just worked at, they sent their writers. So I'm like ah shit, man. I really wanted to go there. Um, that's obviously like one of the most talked about venues and yeah. college sports right like this it's just electric so um wanted to be there and i'm not one of those mizzou grads it's like oh i hate kansas so much like i almost went to kansas so um i always appreciated kansas basketball so i would have loved that so joel in february 2012 uh when missouri and ku were playing their last game as conference rivals before missouri left mm-hmm. Uh, I went down and covered that game for the World Herald. Wow. And that was the game. KU was down by like 17 in the second half. Thomas Robinson had this incredible block. It, it goes to overtime. The, K, the, KU the block? At the, that's yeah, it might have been a foul, too. Yeah. Uh, but I, I think I think it might still be, after 20 years in sports journalism, my favorite event that I've ever covered. So I, I could believe that. I, obviously, I, I wasn't following college basketball. Right now. I had just got into probably NBA a few years before then, but – um, I revisited that game while I was on the Mizzou beat and just what a what a game. Yeah. Uh okay, let's get let's get a few tougher ones. Okay. Uh your favorite basketball game of all time. In a time capsule, in oh, the Joel Lorenzi shit. time capsule. What's your favorite game of all time? My favorite game of all time. NBA, college, high school, doesn't matter. Okay. Um I think of two over it. One is the fifty point uh Giannis game seven yeah. to knock off the Suns. Just this is my favorite player in the world right now, and it's been for probably like eight years now. I I actually was I started going to Bucks games because the Bulls charged for tickets. Like Mike still plays for them. Um, I started going to Bucks games probably when I was like in eighth grade, like the year before he got drafted, 
And I literally told people, because he was six nine when he got drafted. I told people like, yo, he's still growing. Like he's gonna be a star. Like he's gonna be a stud. Did I believe? Did I did I really believe he was gonna be all NBA uh, two time MVP? No, but I knew he was gonna be good. So that's probably my greatest call. It's, it's made me attached to him, and I mean he has an incredible story. So seeing seeing it all come together and him being able to win that championship, because I felt like they, like, I thought they would have won last year if Chris Middleton wasn't out. Like he's, there's been a few times where I f- thought they had the squad. And just to see that happen against a Suns team that everybody was like, oh, yeah, it is. it's raps. Like, that was incredible. And a 50-piece. I mean, that's one of the greatest performances we've ever seen in the finals. Um, and I will say, I was at Giannis's first ever 50-piece. It was against wow. the Timberwolves. A hell of a game to be at. Um, and then the other game is uh, when I first got into basketball. I think it was my second year watching basketball. The Lakers-Celtics series in 2010, um, game seven of that one, I was – in middle school, so my mom used to make me turn off my TV at a certain time, and I would I actually snuck to turn the TV back on to see Ron Artest hit that shot and the Lakers win. It was it was, it was just a, a fun time to be obsessed over basketball. Fantastic, uh, Giannis is still terribly underrated, even as the best player in the world. Unbelievable. Um, what's the team that made you fall in love with the game? The Lakers, for sure. Um, what specific team though? Yeah, those those uh, late. Uh, 2000s teams with Kobe. With Kobe. I'm, I'm a big Kobe guy. I don't like the disrespect that he's not top five. It's, it's ridiculous. And and I, I can understand guys, some NBA players say some real gibberish sometimes, but when you hear the consensus is that Kobe's top five, I think that's one thing to believe. Um, and it's, it's, it's one thing I'll, I'll go to my grave saying, um, unless, you know, I mean, we're seeing this new generation of players. It looks incredible, right? Like, I think Giannis could be top ten. Um, but I just I can't push Kobe out that that top five man. He he meant too much for me as a basketball fan, and even um, even the latter years when I hated Pau Gasol because of the way he was playing when when he was about to leave, and uh, then uh, I stayed a Laker fan when when uh, they were drafting like it's been a rough twelve years. Yeah, I mean when when they had Robert Sockery and oh <laughs> uh, it, it was a rough time, but I stuck with him. Uh, number four program college basketball program you'd most want to see in the Big East. Like regardless of like you can, you can swap out DePaul or somebody terrible and swap well you know and I'm t- swap in somebody who's I'm, the program you would swap in I'm tempted to say Gonzaga because uh that was a, a rumor I think for a while um it makes a ton of sense not geographically but in terms of basketball without having a football program like that that's I I kill for a program like that to be the Big East but. Um, my favorite program growing up was North Carolina. So um, even though it would be devastating to see North Carolina leave the ACC, what's left of the ACC, they've been uh, off, let's say, these past few years. But um, it's either UNC or Gonzaga for me. Number five, what's the NBA trade you most want to see? NBA trade? Oh, don't do this. I, I hate playing GM. Uh, <laughs> NBA trade. I, I want to hmm. – and, you know, I want a Dame to the Bucks for a while. Uh, but, you know – when those three are together and Drew, Chris, and Giannis, I mean, their showing is incredible, bro. Like, I really thought – like, Drew had some – in that series with the Suns, Drew made some literally series-changing That feels like players. a long time ago. They need a guard. Doesn't it? They yeah. need a guard. They, no, need yeah, a, I, they need a shooter. I'd agree. Um, Man, I don't know. I think uh, the Lakers need a trade really badly. I I might – uh. I might trade AD, man. I, 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 they, they gotta blow that up, man. This is me trying to be a smart GM here, not being a fantasy GM. I don't know. Uh, I might put 
if if I'm being a cheater and I'm dismissing the cap, I might put Kawhi on like one of the better teams in the league, like uh like the Cavs. Oh my gosh, if he if he'd he, be perfect for the if Cavs. you swapped Kawhi out with uh Isaac Okoro, like yeah. that that would be the best team ever. Yep. If we if we do Kevin Love's salary, the salaries might even match up. Sure. So, uh, okay, tough one here. What's the <clears throat> farthest west you've been in Nebraska? Farthest west? I honestly couldn't. Uh, <laughs> You're gonna say like 78th Street, aren't you? Well, look, I had to uh, I had to Google where Jams was today, <laughs> so I'm I'm a very Google Maps person. I I couldn't tell you like if I got lost, like my phone died, I'm screwed. Have uh, you been Have you been west of the Platte River yet? I don't I I don't I couldn't tell you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, okay. I'm not a geographical person. Right, we gotta get you to Lincoln. We at least gotta get you to. Gretna. I definitely haven't been to Lincoln yet. I, I was to- I was supposed to go when Jimmy was there, but Jimmy. Jimmy, uh, Jimmy's Jimmy show. He, he's gone. Yeah. Um I got I got a few tough ones here. Sure. Number number 7. Bigger accomplishment for Creighton's brand this year. Okay. Not for Creighton's team, but for Creighton's sure, brand. Sure, sure, sure. To win the Maui or to win the Big East tournament. Maui. I agree. Yeah. Uh, I agree. The Big East tournament, it's not something they haven't uh like it's not one. It's not far fetched. It's been predicted leading into the season, but Maui hasn't, right? Like I don't think people are sure well, Creighton's going to win Maui, and the number of teams and the different brands in Maui. And whoever and whoever wins Maui always just like gets gets all the glory sure, for yeah, like yeah. a week, right? Yeah, yeah. So definitely Maui. I um, kind of set you up for that one, but I agree with you. Yeah. Uh, finish this sentence. Ryan <clears throat> Kalkbrenner is so tall. He's so tall. He could probably reach the the top shelf at uh, Costco, <laughs> or like what's the other one that you need a membership for? <laughs> Sam's. Sam's. He could reach the top shelf at Sam's. I love it. Uh, this might be the hardest one of all: Doug McDermott or Kyle Korver. In terms of full body of career, or better, better, better NBA player. Better NBA. Kyle Korver was an All Star. Let's let's not. Uh, Let's not dismiss Kyle Korver's achievements here. I I like Doug McDermott, the NBA player, especially now in his what like ninth or tenth year. I mean, he's doing really good things for the Spurs. But Kyle Korver was that that Hawks era was a great era for Hawks basketball, even if they peaked in the first round every single year. I mean, second they, round they made it to the second round. I mean, didn't they win like sixty games hey, one I year? I gotta show you something here. Okay. I wish this was on video. This is my favorite shirt. I'm just happened to be wearing it today. Yo, is that That's, Dominique? This is my Dominique. That's shirt. so tough, and your Dominique age is showing right my, now. He was my favorite guy growing up, and I got a, I got his old T-shirt here. That's fire. But yeah, Kyle Corbett was part part of one of the better eras for Hawks basketball. And that team, I, I, I was watching a TikTok video the other day, and they were like asking, like, I, I dare say, casual fans, uh, a question. They were like, uh, the Hawks had. Four All Stars, I think, that year. They were like, name them, and these dudes didn't know who's on the team. I'm like, yo, put some respect on Kyle Korver's name, man. That's one of the greatest shooters ever. I mean, now you've got like movement shooters like Steph and and whatnot. So like the spot up, the true spot ups who made a career out of spotting up, they fall further down the list. But Kyle Korver's up there, dog. It's only a matter of time before Doug gets traded to a contender and people figure out his value on a really good team. Like Milwaukee, for instance. Yeah. You know, a floor spacer uh, who can also do other things. But I keep waiting for Doug to go to a real good team, and it just hasn't happened yet. Yeah. I don't think I, I, I don't think it's on brand with Milwaukee, though. Like, I, somebody asked me in a mailbag the other week, like, how soon before the Lakers trade for him? 
And I just thought, like, the Lakers, the one thing they had going for them in the early weeks of the season was defense. And that's not one thing Doug necessarily has yeah. going for him. I mean, maybe, I don't know. Maybe you put him in a different system and uh, he looks better, but yeah, I don't He'd know. He'd be good in Cleveland, too, by the way. Sure. Uh, lastly, the basketball player, NBA, college, whatever, who your game most resembles. Joel's game growing up. Holy hell. Okay, yeah, growing up because I can't hoop Who did no you see I'm, yourself I'm as? Um, who did I see myself as? Well, who did you resemble? Well, I had a tough player build, man. Not tough in a good way. Like, I was <laughs> um, – when I was a freshman at Whitney Young High School, one of the best high schools in the country for basketball. When I was a freshman, Jalil Okafor was a senior. I was just going to say that was the Okafor era, Yeah, right? so um, – when I was a freshman, I was five foot ninety pounds, and all I could do was spot up. So, um, the shortest spot up in history, I guess. Maybe uh, <laughs> like Mahmoud Abdul Rauf or something yeah, like. Yeah. But he had Chris a handle, Jackson, so yeah. I can't. I, you didn't have a handle either. Not really. I, I wasn't nearly as creative as him, but um, I don't know. Maybe like a Seth Curry or something. Yeah, Seth. Nothing Not Steph. Nothing, Seth. Nothing wrong with that. Yeah. All right, uh, you got anything else to add? We uh, we got a big week of uh, of local hoops here. Uh, I think the women kind of stole the show this past this past week. You Holy know, somebody cow. somebody was in my ear when the season started saying um, the women's team might have the best team on campus, and uh, no shade the Creighton men's because they're a great top ten team, right? But I think they're kind of like on par with each other. They I are. mean, I think I think the Creighton women were severely underrated to start the season, man. I mean. Uh, damn near thirty piece in Nebraska is not a light feat, man. Yep. Yeah. No, I mean they. If you go, if you want to go back and watch a hell of a basketball game, go watch the Iowa game in the uh, in the NCAA tournament last year when when Creighton went over there and, and upset Iowa. That was that was as much fun as I had watching a basketball game all all year. I think so. They're legit. The Creighton men are legit. Uh, it's going to be a really fun winter, and uh, Joel is. Uh, is a is a blossoming star on the beat so much love, uh, much love. i'm just happy to ride a co-pilot here oh stop <laughs> uh we'll keep an eye on the huskers jays and everything else in college hoops uh until then thanks for listening in to the half court press podcast <laughs>